Okay, I think I saw a hand go up at the back. Thank you very much to all the speakers and the students who have organised tonight. It's wonderful. Will there be available on your website or through Twitter or something a, a record of tonight's proceedings with the references to the books, to the websites, to the organisations that have been spoken about here? I haven't taken any notes. And being a very lazy Googler, <laughs> I'm used to having it on my computer screen. Will there be somewhere that's put up that we can reference these things? Um, at can, least. Could we give you our emails and you can email it to us? Um, as put, a your, put your uh, right names down on that, those pieces of paper right handed out. Those pieces of paper handed out not just for the volunteer research um, thing. Oh. Anyone who wants to be put onto our mailing list can put, write their names down on those sheets. <laughs> I've been, um, I and other people have been tweeting throughout this. We've been using the hashtag Slims. Um, basically, what I'll do is I'll put all those tweets together in a website called Storify, and we'll share that link on our website. And also, if you sign up to the email list, you'll be able to see that. We've also got a, um, uh, these kind of people are recording on audio, so we'll have an audio recording of that as well. I'm sure we can make the um, links and stuff available. Thank you very much. Yes. Can I answer that? Um, I, th I think the answer to that is that uh, Dennis Napthan needs to look like a leader, and you know he needs a project for that purpose. He's chosen the wrong one. Unfortunate, but um, it was probably uh, quite a quick decision, I think. Uh, he needed to look like a decisive leader because his predecessor wasn't, uh, or wasn't looking that way. And so I think that is the reason. It's a political, it's an entirely political road. There is no rational, uh, as, as uh, Doug mentioned, yeah. It's, there's, there's, the, the reasoning behind it is. Um, secret and uh, almost certainly wrong. So I think it's a political road. Yeah, and I would just back that up. It's political and uh, I'd go as far as to say that the consortia that they're interested in investing in it want to make some money. Yes. I have had a question for Crystal, which Yvonne and and sorry, I've <laughs> have touched on, which is how do we engage with the Napthine government when they won't they won't talk to us, they won't yeah. even acknowledge that we're there except to call us rent a crowd. And I was one of the rent a crowd. One, one of the reasons that's been put to me is that it is a political decision. He's actually got nothing to say in terms of supporting it economically, environmentally, traffic-wise. But can you suggest in these circumstances a way to engage with the government when not only the Premier but the Ministers won't even acknowledge that we're worth talking to? Well, um, look, I think in many ways you're writing your own history at the moment. So by looking at other examples, you know, I talked about Vancouver, but even that doesn't really apply 
here because they had the federal government on their side who was able to, to step in and say, well, in order to get funding for this urban revitalization program, you need to demonstrate that you've got consensus within the community. We don't have that here. Um, I, I, do th I, I go back to my time when I was a, a PhD student at Melbourne University and working with Nick and, and Sophie Sturp, um, who's also engaged in this debate and many others. We designed a series of governance forums um, and at that point in time, the, 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 the impetus to start these forums was around responding to the Rod Eddington reports, the 2008 Rod Eddington report, where we thought the, the brief in terms of reference was wrong. You know, it was looking at inner east-west links and not looking at broader issues of connectivity in the metropolitan Melbourne. Um, and, and in that, we were able to get the secretary, Jim Betts, to sit down with us, Janet Rice to sit down, to sit down with us. Um, a couple of academics and some people from the community, and we had this discussion. Um, we broke out into breakout groups, and we had this discussion. Now, um, I think now, because it's getting to crunch point, forums like that, and persisting with them, and building momentum, and getting not necessarily senior bureaucrats, but maybe junior, and working your way up to eventually you just and, and they just become part of it, you know. It's not just one forum, it's not going to be one letter that's written, it's going to, not going to be one phone call. It's going to be a collection of discussions that occur over time, and I would recommend that the student movement that's happening right now, right here, which is just incredible, that it feeds into the PTUA, which obviously it seems to be doing that, and other organizations that are, comp that are also concerned about the East-West Link, and build that grassroots bottom-up change. Can I, can I just add to this? Um, I, I agree with Crystal, but uh, there is a question of timing. Uh, this is not the time to engage with the government. Don't bother. What we have to do is engage with each other. And there are, there are multiple protest groups, there are multiple research groups, all focused on this issue. And we need to uh, gather those together into one big push, I think. Uh, the time will come when we will engage with government. I think it's certainly worth engaging with the opposition. But this government doesn't want to know us, and we shouldn't want to know them. Okay, and I would just go on to add that you think, I think you need to look at what happened in the federal seat of Indi. Yes. And that you need to do look closely at what the PTUA are doing and you shouldn't be trying to sell anything as not, we don't want to build something, we do want to do the things that need to be done. Yeah. And if we do this other thing, then we Absolutely. can't do those. Yeah. Um, what I might do, there's a few questions. Can people who want to ask questions put up their hand and I'll sort of assign an order? Hands up. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Am I missing anyone? Cool. Call out your number. And um, uh, just to say that uh, we are going to, we as in Protectors of Public Lands Victoria, um, Coalition of about 80 Environment, Heritage and Community Groups, um, joining with uh, our previous allies, the Yarra um, Campaign for Action on Transport, and we are revitalising the Coalition for Transport Action Group. We were a vital force in the defeat of the, um, the 2008 East-West Link 
which um, <coughs> the Eddington Review, uh, which was a lot easier because we had a review scheme. There's no review in this case. Um, and um, it was to be included in the 2008 Victorian Transport Plan, and it was deleted. Uh, we went to the launch of the transport plan and I said, where's the East-West Link? And they said, it's been deleted. And I said, why? And they said, well, that's people power for you. It wasn't entirely the, the reason. I think it was probably financial. Um, um, and so it's very welcome. It's fantastic to have the gathering tonight. And thank you very much for, for organising it. Um, and um, we have been, there are multiple groups growing. I mean, we have the um, RATS group, I think it's called the proliferation of Royal Park um, groups, um, say Royal Park West um, and so on. Um, we, we have had, I went today to um, Albanese took speaking about the leadership just this afternoon and, and thanked him for um, uh, and said, well, just afterwards, a quick comment, thank you very much for um, <coughs> the previous government opposing the East West Link and refusing to fund the Bowling government um, with funds for it. And he said, well, there was no business case and there is no business case. So why would a government fund it? Um, but I wanted to ask, um, and, and just to follow up what Professor Lowe said, we are engaging with the opposition um, quite seriously, and some of the one of the PTUA um, <coughs> member Ian Hungley, who's on the PTUA committee, has written, wrote a terrific paper on the um, ALP vision for uh, transport. Um, vision for the ALB for public transport for um, uh, Victoria. Um, and so, <coughs> um, I finally come to a question for Professor Lowe, just to assure you that the opposition is being engaged and the Green, the Labor opposition and Greens, of course, are being engaged fully. Um, a question comes to a crunch point of um, the question of sovereign risk, and I'm afraid the ALP has had, um, not recently, not the last couple of weeks, um, the question of sovereign risk, that if the <coughs> government intends to sign the contracts before the 2014, um, what can we do uh, to uh, persuade them that um, they can renege on the contracts or um, some, in some way bypass the contracts if the uh, Labor gets into, um, takes government in 2014. That's the question. Thank you, Julianne. Um, that is the key point, of course. Um, I think the ALP has to be a bit frightened of the consequence of building this road. Uh, for all the reasons that have been talked about tonight. Um, I think also it's no use us going to the ALP and saying, you've got to renege on the contract. Uh, we, they won't be told, and uh, they have to arrive at that conclusion themselves. 
Um, and I think the, probably the route to doing it is to frighten them sufficiently with the consequences of not doing it. Uh, because what it will do is prevent the ALP from developing an alternative policy. Uh, so um, I, think, I think the focus must be on building an alternative, uh, an, a, an attractive alternative um, to the East-West Link. Okay, a, po a positive thing, in, in yeah. fact. And to kind of building up the idea that there is, there is an alternative and it's a good one. Now, I think that that alternative... Um, is probably not going to include uh, long distance kind of um, into the future big ticket items like the metro because uh, what the Brumby government was famous for was saying it's all in the plan and not doing anything uh, now uh, and the problems are now um, and an awful lot I think can be done by um, quite small uh, um, but you know, a large number of uh, smallish improvements, um, and and I think the ALP needs needs to kind of embrace that. Uh, the the, um, the bus system, uh, the interchange points, um, some of the rail extensions, all of those things which the PTU, which you were saying, uh, could be done for the price of the East West Link. So it's kind of um, East West Link. Uh, six to eight billion dollars, and that, that's only half of it, of course, or the ALP agenda. And I think phrasing the thing like that might encourage them to think, well, um, <clears throat> if, we, if we don't agree to uh, repudiate the contract, uh, then this East-West Link will become our project. Yes. And, and do they actually want that? It, it, it will be an albatross around their neck and uh, they will have to justify they, they will open the east-west link and how popular will that make them so I think the answer is of course you're quite right this is the absolute nub of the whole thing uh, it would be good if the ALP were to announce very soon that they will repudiate the, the contracts uh, as the Greens have done I think but of course the Greens are not in power. So that's my answer, I think. Scare them and let them come to that conclusion themselves. Can we also support them when they say the good things? Yes, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> yes. Just well, we're running a bit short on time. Yeah. Yeah. Just move to the next question. There was a question. Next question was around here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just um, wanting to come back to the freight question. Yeah. I've noticed that the state government, one of the justifications they've given for forging ahead with the east-west tunnel is freight. Uh, when there's an incident, as there's been in the Burnley Tunnel, they've referred to how that's disrupted the tremendous quantity of freight which any motorist on that Monash would notice driving alongside it, going from the port of Melbourne to the eastern suburbs. And I was wondering whether Doug or anyone else could comment on viable alternatives to road for freight. I know there was even talk of putting freight on the Frankston line midnight to dawn, but we've just seen a few disruptions on that line, getting stuff down to BHP or whatever, and uh, train passengers having to hop on buses. So, yes, the freight issue. And that, that's, to the best of my knowledge, and at the time that I was still at Vic Roads, the model that is being used to model the east-west link doesn't model freight. Whereas the VITM, the Victorian Integrated Transport Model, does commuter traffic and then it has a freight overlay. 
and freight travel is ver very different to commuter traffic and that's another reason why the, the government owned model should be used for <coughs> modelling this project to see if it does stack up or not. And the other thing with freight, uh, you should be aware that any vehicles that are carrying flammable or inflammable liquids aren't allowed to use tunnels. Any of those vehicles that have got placards on the back that say flammable or certain you know, uh, petroleum fuels and those sort of things can't use tunnels. So. The next question. Yeah, um, a couple of things. I've, city of, uh, on the organisations, things have just started to happen out of City of Mooney Valley. Council Jim Cusack is kind of convening, but there is a, um, a significant group that's forming there that you may not have picked up on. Um, I'm involved in Mooney Ponds Creek and I fully understand the bicycle network's uh, approach of loving to get... We'd love to get $20 million spent to fix the concrete and put a decent environment back in the creek as well. And we're going to be... Ta we're talking to Linking Melbourne next Thursday night ourselves. Um, the, other th but the other place, that the one that I think is fairly important, I'm also on Brimbank Economic Development and Transport Committee... <coughs> And we had a presentation from the Superannuation Industry Association quite recently Sorry, at which... Can you just get to the question as soon as possible to give? Because there's a number of... Well, this is, this is for... Uh, anybody can respond on this last point because I think it's relevant. And the, the super industry basically are saying we want big projects that are large capital because we don't want to do spread due, due diligence over smaller projects. We only want to do due diligence on $8 billion projects. We don't want to do it on uh, $1 billion, you know, eight $1 billion projects. Now, how do, we, how do we duck that one? Because that's really where the pressure's coming from. The, that's the, the commercial pressure that was behind the political decision to go with a big project. I don't have an answer for that, and that's <laughs> something uh, that the Slims and uh, should put some research in to try and find out the answer to that. Mm. And just another thing, um, the whole idea of other projects that we could do instead of this one big project, Jeff Kennett came out the other day and said that we should be undergrounding all our railway lines. And uh, when I was in Vic Roads, we were dealing with modelling the Dandenong line and looking at grade separating maybe two or three of those crossings. But all of those crossings should be grade separated. And we... Uh, the other side of that is that we need to stop planning just for the next five or ten years. We should, I, it's my view that we should be looking at what does Melbourne need to look like or what do we want it to look like in 2100. And then every project needs to be assessed on the basis, well, is it a step towards that or is it something that will be discarded as part of that long-term plan? And that long-term plan needs to look at the carbon footprint of the transport network and are we going to destroy all our farmland or are we going to have a real urban boundary that is set in concrete and doesn't move okay, in the long term. Question up there? Uh, yeah, um, there was a lot of talk of numbers and corridors and stuff, but I wanted to ask your thoughts on a perhaps other alternative, um, whereby <coughs> perhaps the government might set up a scheme to um, redevelop all of our train stations. I was in, I've, I've travelled to Tokyo uh, quite a lot, and every station I've been to there has um, significant retail. And I wondered if there were points where users of these train, train stations, train stations could give their money to the train stations in exchange for goods. 
Um, and then that money could be put back into um, future projects. Cool. And th therefore, you're not really relying on just ticket sales. People buy two-hour tickets. There's you know income in base for you know. Well, that, yeah. that comes down to how do you fund your public transport and how do you fund your private transport and uh, yeah, and I would argue that there needs to be, uh, we need to can change the way we pay for private transport and public transport and maybe increased property taxes should be a benefit of that because transport is intrinsically linked to land use and if we build a freeway and that in, or a railway any sort of transport and that improves property values around it, then the government should recoup some of that money rather than all going to private developers through increased property prices. If, if the property values increase, the government should get a share of that because they've built the, public, the um, transport uh, infrastructure. But in terms of uh, individual uh, uh, train stations, I would argue that we sh again we should be undergrounding all our railway lines so that they can run summer and winter. They don't, you know, you don't have to shut down train lines because it's too hot and the air conditioning doesn't work. And and that again, do away with this public versus private argument. And s because on the Dandenong line, if you undergrounded that can that whole line, and I'd argue it probably applies to every railway line, if you underground the railway line, then you improve public private transport that crosses that railway line significantly as well, and you improve the public amenity. And so you'd get a bigger cost-benefit out of that sort of work than you would out of one that's just purely private transport, I would have thought. Okay, if we can just bring that one to a close, just there might be a few more questions. Let's say there's two last questions, if anyone's interested. Uh, one and up the back. So, you, sir? Hi. Uh, uh, Doug, uh, first I'd just like to congratulate you on the stand that you take on this matter. Project, and obviously they, they probably had three main choices: was the, the metro, the eastern, or the western side of the east-west link. In the editing report, there wasn't really any direct comparison between the projects. Sort of treated them as one. Do you know in the modelling that was done after that, like each lister and that, and before the government decided on the, the east link, was there any actual comparative modelling done between those three options? And is that part of the business case which? Yeah, the modelling that's been done for East-West Link has been in complete secrecy and uh, for my entire time in Vic Roads in the modelling area I opposed the use of that model because we had a better model that should have been used for it and transparent and open and could be checked and reviewed and so I was cut out of any further discussion so I don't have any real further inside knowledge on that apart from, like I said, that information that I've seen on those documents that I managed to see. Final question up the back. Uh, yes, just to expand on the question of freight, so what are the sustainable alternatives for inner-city freight um, that we could propose in lieu of the western side of the east-west link that may still be justifiable? Well, that, well, my view is, and I'm not a freight expert, but I would argue that the freight either goes on roads and freeways or rail. 
So uh, I would argue that if you did have a real good long-term plan for Melbourne and you could better set up freight infrastructure so you could get more of the heavy freight onto rail and then more light transport to distribute it from rail uh, infrastructure or rail uh, freight centres. So it comes down to planning. I think you need... You can't get freight off the roads onto rail unless you have a good long-term plan to take it out to freight distribution centres which then take it to the retail and the shopping centres and so forth. So again, I think it comes down to planning. Um, if everyone could just join me uh, again in thanking our for... <laughs>